This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hello, everyone. This is Ron Jaworski, and you're listening to Ira and Clark on the iTest. Pay attention. Welcome to the summer edition of the Eye Test for Two. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And we're Hall of Fame voters, as you should know by now, joined by Hall of Fame producer Ian Glendon and today's special guest, the former wide receiver Mark Clayton. Now, most of you or all of you should know Mark as Dan Marino's favorite target in the 1980s. In fact, Ira just looked this up. He caught 20% of Dan's 420 touchdown passes. Mark was also a five-time pro bowler who set a then single-season receiving record with 18 touchdown catches in 1984. You were covering the league then, Ira, and so was I. Mark was a pleasure to watch. And maybe you know that he's in the Dolphins' ring of honor. Maybe you know he's in the Kentucky Pro Football Hall of Fame, too. But I bet you didn't know that Mark Clayton is one of only three, three players in NFL history to catch touchdown passes from Dan Marino and Ira Brett Favre. So who are the others? Anyone? Someone? I bet Mark Clayton knows this. If you said Keith Jackson and Mark Ingram, go to the head of the class. Anyway, Mark Clayton, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Well, thanks, guys, for having me. I, I certainly appreciate it, though. Uh, I've heard a lot about you guys' show, and uh, I'm, it's a pleasure just to be on the show. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. And I'll ask you the obvious question right off the beginning. I mentioned Marino and Favre. You caught Marino and Brett Favre both at the beginnings of their careers. Marino in 83. I know you uh, had that big year in 84, 85. Favre, you were there in 1993 with Green Bay. How were they similar, Mark, and maybe how are they different? But there's anything that struck you that, that linked the two as being very similar? Yeah, they, they are very similar in the aspect of are they both are the most competitive people uh, next to me that I know. <laughs> Yeah. They, they 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 wanted they wanted to win as badly as I did, and um, man, those guys just really just wanted to be the best at, at at their position and just help the team win in any way possible. That's their similarity, and their differences is uh, I think Dan at the beginning of his career he worked a, a a little bit harder than Brett Favre. Brett was you know he was a young gunslinger and he he liked to really enjoy himself in the in the nightlife. Uh, when I got to Green Bay, but uh, he still was a good player. But I think that his, he didn't work as hard as Marino did at the beginning of their careers. Well, Mark, you mentioned yourself being competitive. So I'll ask you this. Uh, I mentioned you were a five-time Pro Bowler. You were a three-time All-Pro, two-time NFL touchdowns leader. Yet you were never a semifinalist while you were a modern-era finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You were never a semifinalist, um, and I should say that again. You were never a semifinalist while you were a candidate for the modern era pro football of aim. Does that baffle you? And as a competitive guy, 
did you feel like, what are these guys missing? I, I, I did wonder why, because uh, I never, you speaking of making it to the semifinals, I never really made a cut. You know, yeah, no, that's the, right. Once, once the heads start rolling after my nomination, then I was one of the first heads to, to be rolling, and I thought that was kind of odd. You know, I just look at that as, you know, one of the things that's really been happening throughout my whole career from when I played in high school. You know, I had a, a, a very good high school career, and I got overlooked at, uh, from the colleges. I only had two scholarships coming out of high school. And uh, um, so my, my parents couldn't afford to pay for me to go to possibly wherever I wanted to, to go. So I had to go with one of the two that was giving me the free, the free education and, and football scholarship. And then um, I looked at it as when I um, – played at Louisville my, my senior year, I, I, felt, I thought I had a pretty uh, upstanding and, and a great senior year, but uh, I get overlooked again in the draft. I don't go to the eighth round, but uh, you know what, though? I just used that uh, clock as, as fuel to my fire and motivated me just really just to, to just to work harder and just really just to show people that, that I, I could play and, and I did belong where I was at. And that's why um, I also look at it when when I finally when I did make the Dolphins roster, uh, the last cut of the of the Dolphins roster, and the and the reporters were asking me that uh, was this a dream come true, and was I surprised? I, I said, no, I really never dreamed to play in the NFL, and, and I'm not surprised that it happened because of of how hard I worked for it, and and I owe a lot of that credit for me really just really boosting my motivation a little more. With, to Richard Mann, and Richard Mann was my receiver coach at Louisville, and my senior year he left to go coach the Baltimore Colts. Yeah, and he called me. He called me in afterwards, and he told me, he says, uh, "Son, he said, he said, I'm going to leave, and I'm going to go pl- coach in Baltimore." He said, "But uh, I'm going to tell you this right here." He said, "Son, you can play on the next level," and he said, "He said you just got to work harder." He said, "But I'm I'm going to see you." If you work hard, he says, no way that they can keep you off of a team next year. So then that really just really just planted that seed right there in my brain because I never really was thinking about the NFL then at that time. But I started working my behind off, and and, and he really he gave me a, a, a great foundation to really work with, you know, before he left. So I, I owe a, a lot of credit to him for really even just planting that seed and, and, and really motivating me even more just to, to work hard and really and try to make it to the next level. Hey, Mark, I, I had Richard Mann here in Tampa uh, on John Gruden's staff. He, he's a real class act, Mark, class act, no question. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and, and Gruden was my position coach. He was my receiver coach at Green Bay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was—he wasn't even Chucky back then. Nobody knew him back then, right? Mark? He Nobody. wasn't Chucky. He was not Chucky then. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark. Um, you know this disrespect thing, and 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 I think you're right because I think it followed you to the Dolphins. And Mark, in '84, you know, your second year in the league, 18 touchdowns, you lead the league, you set the record. And Mark, I'm, I'm looking at the first team All-Pro receivers. There were three of them. Um, Lofton, uh, Art Monk, and Roy Green, and, and you got 18 touchdowns. I mean, your second team. So, Mark, right, right off the bat, you're you're probably wondering what, what's going on here. 
I, I was wondering what was going on. <clears throat> and if you look back, though, that year right there, I had 1,389 receiving yards. And I was like, maybe I missed a game that year. I played 15 games that season. And, and John Starward just, just barely edged me out. And he played in all 16 games. And I just thought that that was kind of odd. I'm like, wow. And you know what, though? And, 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 and even a, a bigger kicker than that, I wasn't even voted a starter to play in the, in the Pro Bowl. I, voted, I got voted for the Pro Bowl team, but I wasn't voted a starter. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, um, in, in 85, the next year, I, I want to ask you about this game because I, I think it's one of the, the great games of the modern era when the big bad beers, uh, Bears, Mark, came into uh, Miami. 85 and they're unbeaten and uh, I guess it was a Monday night I think Mark and um yes it was you know all all eyes were on that game and of course you know the 72 Dolphins you, you felt the pressure from them and <laughs> Mark Mark Clayton ends up with five catches 88 yards including uh the 42 yard touchdown broke the game open made it 38 17 what do you remember about the hype going into that game Mark Wow, what a game. What a game. I, 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 did, I remember that like it was yesterday. That was one of the most exciting games that I've ever played in besides the Super Bowl. You know, I put that game right, right there up underneath that game. But, uh, oh, my God, I, I just felt the pressure all week that, that we had to get it done because the guys, as you stated, from the 72 teams, had never seen them all season. You know, they wasn't coming to bar practices or anything. But, uh they were coming over there, and I was like, wow, man, these guys really are, are, are putting some pressure on us. They're coming over here. They, we haven't seen these guys all season. But um, that game, and then even when that, that Monday night game, when it first started, they were on the sidelines before the kickoff. I was like, wow, man. But I remember that stadium just rocking and rolling. That was, I love the mystique of the Orange Bowl, and that stadium was so loud. Oh, my God. And I talk about that game today with uh, uh, McMahon, and he was talking about, oh, we would have, we would have, we would beat y'all's butts if if I'd have played. I said, you came in the game at the end. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, I said, but you know what though? The reason why did I feel like that y'all really did wasn't really in that game at the end because as if you can recall, they were trying to uh, Walter Payton had a consecutive game with I think a hundred yards rushing. Um, leading up to that game and they was trying to get Walter make sure he got his 100 yards to keep that streak going so, but I'm thinking like this man we are really kicking their butts really good so how why are they running the ball but we'll you know they can run the ball just run keep milking that clock and great game though man and I did I was fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time when the ball went off of Dan uh, McMichael McMichael's Hellman or Hamptons one of the two's Hellman and I was just just clip running a clear out route in the and the ball found me, and I got lucky and scored a touchdown that game. We're speaking to former Miami Dolphins great Mark Clayton, who is in the right place at the right time. He's here with us today, and we're very glad to have him. And, Mark, you've mentioned that that game and that team. Why didn't the Dolphins get to more than one Super Bowl? I mean, you were in the 84 Super Bowl against the, uh, the San Francisco 49ers, and, and then what happened? I mean, you had talent, every Hall of Fame quarterback – Got the, the Mark Brothers. You guys were loaded, and you never, you never got back. How point in and what happened? I, I, I think we and 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 just after that that Super Bowl right there after nineteen, the next year in eighty five, we were in the AFC Championship game yeah. in the Orange Bowl against yeah. New England with a chance to go play the Bears again. And and I just think just the, the wheels fall fell off. I think uh, that game started out really wrong and stuff. 
from the opening kickoff on. We received the kickoff. Uh, we fumbled the opening kickoff, and then things went downhill from there. And I just I thought that uh, we really were going to win that game when the game started because New England hadn't won in the Orange Bowl in like 18, 20 times, something like that, consecutive times. And I just felt like that that, that we were we were going to go to another Super Bowl, and this time really, really contend in the Super Bowl. But I don't know, um, Clark. It just it, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. I just don't think that that, that – at the time of certain games, I just think that we didn't play our best game and stuff like we had been playing all season, and, and New England played their very best game. Did, did you have the feeling, though, after losing to San Francisco out at the Stanford Stadium in the uh, 84 Super Bowl, do you have the feeling that, don't worry, we'll be back? I mean, we're, we've got a team that will be back, and we'll be back multiple times. We've got this quarterback. We've got decent defense. We've got Hall of Fame caliber receivers. We'll be back multiple times. Oh, absolutely. I thought that. I said, wow, I'm I'm playing in the Super Bowl in my second second year in the league and, and yeah. we we've got a nice foundation right here and uh I'm gonna I'm gonna play in several Super Bowls and I'm gonna win a couple also. <laughs> you know, that just goes to show you, man, it just it takes it takes a team, man. And and, and it's ultra hard to get back to a Super Bowl once you've reached the Super Bowl. So that's why you never really see a lot of repeat teams that go back to the Super Bowl besides that, that little run that Buffalo had when they went to four in a row. But uh, um, it's it's really tough to get back there once you've reached there because you got a big old bullseye on your target and everybody is really gunning out to beat you because they know that what kind of team that you, you've had in the past. So uh, we could have had a running, a, a little running game that could have helped us out a lot better and stuff to yeah. really balance us out and stuff because um, some of the defensive guys on our team was talking about it's our fault because we scored too fast. I said, no, we didn't score too fast. We just had to take advantage of the opportunity once we got out there because we didn't know when the next time we were going to get back out there on the field. So we got to do our damage and do it quickly. So, uh, uh, but I think if, uh, if we had a uh, any kind of semblance of a running game, I think that we would have had a better opportunity to really maybe really accomplish some of our goals. Well, full disclosure, our producer, Ian Glendon, is a New England Patriots honk. And you and I and Ira all know that you would have been a much better AFC representative that year than the New England <laughs> Patriots. And you might have. You might have pushed the Chicago Bears to the mat and over the edge in that Super Bowl. I'm just sorry it wasn't Miami in that game. <laughs> I, I, I think I think so too, and, and I also talked to a, a good friend of mine, Richard Den, and I tell he said, "Man, we wish y'all had got back. There. We'd have got y'all. Said, man, we was gonna yo, we took y'all's ring from you all that time <laughs> that year. So, so you're not glad that you didn't see. You was glad that you didn't see us. That's why I tell me. <laughs> no question. Hey, Mark, uh, Mark, I, I I shouldn't even be talking to you because I was cursing you about thirty years ago because I'm an old Chiefs fan. And I got to say, of all the great catches Clayton made over the years, I think about this one, the 1990 uh -huh. season playoff game. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, and I do. The, Chief, the Chiefs go into Miami. They're up 16-3 after three quarters. I mean, the Dolphins are doing nothing. And Marino gets hot and scores a touchdown. And then at the end, Mark Clayton is outflanked to the right against Albert Lewis. Hell of a yes, player. Sir. Hell of a and player. Mark, and Mark Clayton runs a little out pattern to the right sideline. And Marino throws an absolutely perfect ball. I mean, perfect. 
And and Lewis and, is going for the interception, and he doesn't he's get right it. There. He's right, right there. there. And, and Clayton catches it with 3.28 left, and Miami goes up. And then Lowry misses a field goal, Mark, at the end, a long one. And the Dolphins win that game. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be one of your great plays uh, in, in your career. It, it, it is. You know what though? That was just one of those games that uh, uh, um, Dan and I were. We were on the same page, and we were zoned in, and we knew that that, that we had a, a a good opportunity to pull this game out. And and like you said, we came back in that game because the Chiefs were winning. And I remember just. Man, Steve the Bird, man. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my goodness. He you know, he he's one of the great play action quarterbacks in in, in, yes. in my time. I put yep, it like yes. that, man, because he, he used to if I didn't follow him real good after he stick his hand in there in the running back gutter, I wouldn't know who had the ball. <laughs> but right. uh, he was just that good. And we, we just really just I think that we that was one of the a great wild card games of of all times, I think that it was a back and forth game. It was a very exciting game, and and it just comes from the the hard work that Dan and I put in stuff to really just be on the same page right there. Because I think Dan he he checked that that play right there, and and Albert Lewis he was just a finger uh, a fingernails away from really getting his hands on that ball and stuff. And I just really kept my concentration, and and I said, well. We're going to the next round. I felt like that, and I, I chumped the ball up in the stands, and that was a nice little hefty fine for that right there because uh, the commissioner had already warned me about uh, don't be throwing the ball up in the stands anymore. You can hand it up to, to somebody in the stands, but don't throw it up in the stands. But I said, I don't care. I'm going to pay this fine. We're going We're going <laughs> to go play in the divisional round, and I was excited about that, that victory right there. You know, Mark, along those lines, uh, I, I want to ask you about a couple other guys besides yourself, deserving people that are waiting. Um, Mark, that Albert Lewis and, and, and Everson Walls, uh, Mark, you went against both of them. Um, you know, uh, both of them were craftsmen, took a lot of pride in, in being uh, the, the great uh, cornerbacks. Uh, what do you think of those two guys? And, and they're waiting for their time, Mark. I, I I think they they were great corners and stuff and and I I I, I talk to Everson all the time, um, but I, I see Albert occasionally out in different functions, Super Bowls and stuff, and 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 a lot of people really fail to realize this how really big those guys were. Those corners were so big out there, along with uh, Lester Hayes and Mike Haynes as well. Those were very big corners and. And I look back, I said, man, I was a little scrawny, 170, 75 pounds, soaking wet. And I'm out there playing with the big boys. And, and uh, uh, back then, I had to, I tell people, I said, the 500-plus receptions that I had, I had to wrestle for practically every reception that I got. Because um, they, the rules were still the, kind of the same as far as the, the illegal contact was still in effect, but they never enforced those rules back then. So, which made it really kind of hard. We were arm wrestling and tussling and up and down the field the whole time until the ball got there. But uh, um, I, I busted my butt for the, all those receptions. And a lot of people really don't realize that, you know, the way that things were then compared to they, the way that things are today, man. I, I wish I would love to play in this era right here. Wow. <laughs> I wasn't afraid to go across the middle then 
and I definitely wouldn't be afraid to go across the middle to, in today's game. <laughs> Not at all. Because there was no, there's no such thing as a defenseless receiver, the era that I played in. You know, the ball could be so high over your head. If it came around your vicinity, they could knock you out. And a lot of receivers did get knocked out from balls that they couldn't even catch. We're speaking but, uh, with uh, Miami Waffle Dolphins great Mark Clayton here on the high test for two. I sorry to cut you off there, Mark, but I wanted to follow up with that because you and Marino were unstoppable at times, and so was that Dolphins offense. And I'm just wondering, in an era, as you mentioned, where the NFL's virtually outlawed defenses, how do you think you and Dan would fare today? Wow. I, 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 I think we talk about that all the time. Dan feels like he could he could have thrown for six six thousand yards in a season if we played in today and I'm I'm not really sure how many I I would catch somewhere on thirteen fourteen fifteen hundred yards I mean I've never caught a hundred passes in a game in a season excuse me because we had to I had to share the ball with so many other receivers on my team like Mark yeah. Duper uh, Jim Jensen Joe Rose and that more I mean right. just think if you know, they wasn't spreading the ball around to all those guys. My numbers probably would have been a lot better than they are to today. But uh, I just may do with what, what we had to work with. Uh, I wasn't getting, you know, no more than five, six targets a game, you know, com- compared to the targets that these, these guys are getting now. Uh, they getting 10, 15 targets a game. Me and Duper talk about that all the time. They say, wow, man, we would be getting targeted at least 10 times. We'd get at least 10 targets if we were playing in today's game and our numbers definitely would be better. But still though, but the ultimate goal for me was, was not the numbers. I wanted to win. That's yeah. what it was all about. I just wanted to win. I don't care at all costs. I didn't care if I didn't catch nothing. As long as we won, I was good with that. And I, I, I did my best out there, even when I wasn't catching passes to really, you know, run my routes and to, to open up other guys. I, I, I just wanted to win at all costs. That's what it all came down to me. Well, you said 100 passes in, in a game. In today's game, you probably could catch 100 passes in a game the way you were playing. Um, but actually, you caught 584 passes in your career. That's what it says, but it's wrong. And you and I know it's wrong. So is Ira. That's wrong. Actually, That's you wrong. caught one more. You caught one more. And you caught it from who else? Dan Marino. When you ran through the crowd at his Canton induction and you caught his last pass. Now, how did that happen? Did you and Dan map out the uh, play before the whole thing was done? And uh, did you uh, worry about any one-on-one confrontations in the audience there? Or were they in zone coverage? No, no, no. We That was not planned. I think that Dan had told me that, uh, that Dano told him that he should do that. And so they had to uh, really maneuver me around to, to, to get me close enough to where I wasn't that far from the stage, but I was so nervous. You know, I was more nervous about that that pass catching that pass than I was than any pass I've ever caught in a football game. <laughs> is, is that right? <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and I was and I was a little nervous because it was smoking hot that day. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and, and uh, um and when he says Mark, where you, he said Clayton, get up where you at. So I said I'm not gonna get up. And my wife is right there next to me. She says. Oh yeah, you're gonna get up. <laughs> <laughs> you never you're disagree with up. your wife. 
No, no. So I got up, oh, man, like I said, and, and he didn't throw just a little, little uh, pat-and-go kind of pass like we do when we're warming up. He threw the pass like he was in the game. I said, oh, my God, I got to I gotta catch this, right? I have no face mask on to stop it if it hits me in the face. I haven't caught a football in years. <laughs> but their hands still work. The hands still work. <laughs> the hands still work. That's right. Hey, Mark, uh, Mark, I got one more for you. Uh, thanks so much for doing this, uh, MC. We appreciate it. Um, Mark, you come in the league in 83, and, uh, you know, you happen to be playing for uh, a little coach that's uh, pretty well-known named uh, Shula. Um, and, Mark, I'm looking over your thing. It looks like you had one losing season, uh, 88. You went 6-10, and 10, but... Mm-hmm. You had Don Shula, Mark. You had Don Shula. So from a player perspective, Mr. Clayton, what was it like playing for a legend? Did you know he was a legend? And um, how tough was he when uh, there were mental and physical mistakes that were made uh, in a game? Oh, wow. Well, let, let me start it out like this. I was very aware of the coach that I was playing for. I used to be a Dolphin fan growing up in Indianapolis, Indiana. I was a big Dolphin fan there, so I I, I knew who who was on that sideline and 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 what kind of status that he had and stuff. And I was really just elated when I first met him that that after all these years of seeing him on TV, that he could possibly be my coach. So I was very excited about that, as long as as well as meeting um, first time when I met um, Paul Warfield. I told him that I was him in the middle of the street growing up. And I was excited to meet him. He kept saying, no, 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 no. But but Coach Shula, he, he prided himself on us being mentally prepared. And and so he he wanted us to just really just be prepared. If, if we got beat, it wasn't, be, wasn't because that we wasn't mentally prepared and ready at all times. And then during the films after the games, he was, we would sit there and he would make us great ourselves and, and he would put down a, a – Write down M-A. I said, what is M-A? He said, missed assignment or M-E. I said, what is M-E? Mental error. I was like, wow. So he said, he said I'm going to look at your papers, too, after you grade yourself. I want to see what kind of grade you give yourself. But, uh, uh, um, man, he was so a stickler on, on being perfected. And on Thursdays, when it was a light practice day, we would have, like, 16 perfect plays <laughs> and if we didn't run the 16 perfect plays like he wanted to do we would start all over again at, at, at one so he was a pretty perfectionist and and i'm gonna tell you let me tell you a quick story about one of my very very first encounters with shula as a being out there on the field my rookie season my very first playoff um, preseason game we played dallas so he let the rookies play the second half, the veterans play the first half. So we're, it's my turn to play, and I already dang um, muffed a couple of punts and a, a couple of kickoffs that game early in the first half, but I wasn't playing offense. I was just on the special teams then. So I got in in the second half with Dan and stuff. So Dan gets cute, and he decides he wants to call an audible at the line. And we, that's my first pre, our first preseason game, both of us. And so uh, – uh, I wasn't really sure on if the play that he was – I knew he was checking. I wasn't really sure if the play he was checking to was a quick out or a slant. So I went with the first one. I went with the quick out. And and so it was right on the left sideline, and I sidelines right there. So I run the quick out right there, and, and Coach Shula is right there. 
he says, G.P. Clayton, what the hell are you doing? Don't you know what the F you run on on 81? I looked at him. I said, he said, 81, you a-hole, 81. <laughs> I said, he said, don't you? He said it again. Don't you know what you do on 81? I said, no, but I'm going to learn, coach. <laughs> so, 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 so then after that right there, boy, well, after that game right there, and, and I didn't really know that I hadn't made the team until, you know, after I saw that after that preseason game that some some veterans were getting cut to you know you know because you got to trim the roster, some veterans were getting cut and some people that got drafted before me were getting cut. So I said, "Wow, I got to make the team." So that from that point on, I told myself, "I said if I'm not going to make the team, it's not going to be because I don't know what I'm what I'm doing." So I jumped into that playbook so so hard and and good and stuff and and even after that right there and I I started learning everybody's position then from that point on and then coach Shulis he's even said he even said before he said that I learned the playbook faster than anybody he's he's ever coached and stuff after that because I knew everybody's position and it worked out well because after I made the team the week one we played Buffalo and Tommy Vigorito was returning punt and he went down with the torn ACL so I had the punt that was me as opposed to running down on kickoffs and being a ball guy and, and getting looked up by uh, Cornelius Bennett or, or Darren Palace, that's who it was. I was like, man, I'm a lightweight. And I said, man, I ran around and they didn't even have to block me. I ran around them. And so so then after, later on in that game, uh, uh, Jimmy Cephalo went down with a torn ACL also. So now I'm coming in, third down. I'm, I'm on the field before Dan and Duper. They were still on the sideline. So, uh, so I've got the third down plays, and good thing that I knew my stuff because, you know, on the two-minute drill, you don't have time to run back. I was, my primary uh, position was flanker or Z, and so, but uh, I, I learned X, I, I learned the slot, and, you know, it, it just paid off just, just nicely for me. So, um, and, and, and Coach Shuler, you know, I can really just really give him all the credit for, for really, for one, taking a taking a chance on drafting me in the eighth round because without that right there, you know, I don't know if I would have had the same career had it been somewhere else, but I, I'm, I'm greatly appreciative for him even uh, taking that flyer out on me, on the little guy from Louisville and believing Mark, in me. Mark, since you're so good at telling stories, and that was a good show story, do you have a Dan Marino story you can tell us, your, your best Dan Marino story or something about yeah. Dan Marino? That oh, yeah, knows? oh, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna tell you about how competitive uh, Mr. Marino is, right? We were they, one year, I think it was uh, um, was it 80, 85, The year we we started out and we 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 won, won like the first six or seven games, and then uh, uh, we played the Eagles in the Orange Bowl, and so um, Dan threw me a pretty pass, and it was over the shoulders, and I and I don't know how I dropped that pass. I was in back of everybody. And it just went through my wickets, right? And 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 I was so upset at myself because I dropped the touchdown. And so we go on the sideline, and so Dan is like, ah, he's giving it to me. So then all of a sudden I said, man, come on, man. You think I'm trying to drop the dang on ball on purpose, man? Man, come on, man. Get out of my face, man. Come on. I'll catch the next one. 
So he kept saying, yeah, you, well, you should have caught that one and stuff. So that just let me know that, that, that how much of a perfectionist that Dan is, too. He wants to win, and we barely won that game. We just won that game on a, a block extra point by Doug Betters, and we won by one point, 13-14. We won that game. What do, you, what do you think he would have said to you if you had dropped that pass at Canton? Oh man, he would he he kept saying, but you know he already talked trash about me on from the stage. Said, well, you know because I easily gingerly got up and took my time back. They said he was a little faster back in his day and stuff. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> hey, Mark, last question for me, and and that's back to the Hall of Fame. Uh, you're now a senior candidate, and I think you know the odds of reaching Canton coming out of that pool. They're long. But you were a great receiver for a, a team that was very successful, high-profile team, high-profile and Hall of Fame quarterback. If you were to stand in front of the board of selectors today and make your case for Canton, say, listen, guys, I've never made a cut. I should make the first cut to the semifinals. Actually, I should make the second cut to the finalists. And you know what? I think I'm Hall of Fame worthy. What would you tell them? What would you tell the voters at Canton? I, I would tell them uh... – I really don't, I'm not really big on tooting my own horn and stuff, but I, I would have to just tell them, listen here, guys, I just, I, I just left everything I had on the field, man. I, I gave it my all and, and I, I, I played the game at a high level. I, I, I love the game. Uh, I believe that I belong. I don't, not more so say that I deserve. I believe I belong there because I don't, I don't know what else I could base it on besides the numbers and stuff. I don't really like really, going back and forth with guys' numbers. But if, if, if you would look at um, Harold Carmichael's numbers, he played in the same era that I did. He played 13 years. I played 11. He's got, like, maybe a few more catches than me and a couple more yards. I got more touchdowns than him. And, and, and I had to share my passes with a bunch of other uh, great players and receivers. Uh, and I, I still really – produced and stuff I, I don't know what more that I could say that, that you know I played the game at a high level I went against the best of the best so I don't I don't know what would make it someone else's turn and, and and not mine I feel like that I'm I'm definitely worthy and I would be quite honored if I would really get that call and stuff I think that that would really put the icing on my career even though I didn't win a Super Bowl that's what I really played to do to win a Super Bowl but since I didn't and it's a team sport I, I just did the best that I could do, and um, I, I I would be grateful just if I really got that call, man. I I just really feel like that. Uh, uh with, without Dan, uh, well, with since Dan is in, and I think I had a a, a nice hand in, in in getting him there, and I feel like that uh, I I deserve and I belong there also. Well, a footnote to this conversation is you mentioned numbers, Harold Carmichael. He had seventy nine touchdown passes. You had more. You had 84. Calvin Johnson, first ballot Hall of Fame this year, had 83 touchdown passes. You had more. Reggie Wayne, finalist the past two years, 82 touchdown passes. You have more. So those numbers do speak for themselves. And 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 I and I don't really you know I don't know what else that we could could really base it on, man. I I I, I really don't. I just, I I just I I just did my job, man. I just the best that I could. And I didn't, I didn't play for the numbers. You hear a lot of people now talking about numbers, man. I, yeah, I played right. strictly for the love of the game and I, and I loved what I did and I wanted to win. 
Mark Clayton. We loved having you on here. Thanks so much for the time and best of luck with your Hall of Fame. Hey, man, I, I really appreciate y'all having me on here. I'm gratefully appreciative. Um, I enjoyed it and, and let's do it again. Thanks, right. MC. Deal. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Former Miami Dolphins receiver Mark Clayton and Ira, I say this, it's sort of mystifying. He's never been a semifinalist. He's never made a cut. You know, Clark, you, you mentioned some great stats there. Uh, I got Lofton, 75 touchdowns, forward yep. 63, Swan, 51, Monk, 68, Clayton, 84. Now, touchdowns count. They matter. They count, they count Clark. And, and he was great at it. He, he was, was great, great at it. Oh, it does matter. Yeah, the crowd is back. They're, they're unmasked, they're vaccinated, and they're back full force. And you know what? They're clamoring for you, Ira, because it's our weekly I Was There. So the question is, where were you, Ira, and when were you, Ira? Clark, as usual, I'm here to provide context and perspective. <laughs> and you talked about the crowd. Clark, this game was in Tampa Stadium, 38,000 people. 38, not 65. So I want to give some perspective. You know, the Bucks are the reigning champs. But Ian and Clark, you both know. For 14 years, this team was an afterthought. An afterthought after Doug Williams left. 14 seasons, Clark. And I'm picking a game that came right in the middle. December 6, 1992. Here come the Rams. Clark. Halftime score, Rams three, Bucks 27. Wow. 27 to three. And as the third quarter develops, and Ian knows this, Buck fans start to say, we're going to find a way to lose this game. And Jim Everett, of all people, of Jim Rome fame, Jim Everett throws three second half touchdowns. The Rams win the game. Clark, the Rams win the game. They're a Sunday night game, ESPN, national audience, you know, confirming the Bucks are awful. What a franchise. And after the game, Clark, Sam Weish, who was in his first year as Buck coach, says, this is a real uppercut to the gut, to the gut. And four more losing seasons until Dungy turns them around. Clark, I, I just want people to remember how bad – this franchise was, and now they're the kings of the NFL. Do you remember your lead from that game, Ira? <laughs> Play. <laughs> See you next year, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Play it again, Sam. Anyway, uh, any final thoughts, Ira? You got final thoughts for this week? Uh, just that, you know, Clayton is the latest Clark in, in, in these guys that you don't know much about, and, and they turn out to be – you know, so articulate, so articulate, and they don't beat you over their head with their stats, but Clayton was a competitor, and he said, who wants to win as much as me? And he looked around, and he goes, I guess it was Marino. I guess and, it was Marino. And, and Favre. Uh, so hats off to Clayton. I, I hope uh, I hope he at least uh, is in the discussion. Me too, and it gives you an idea of the depth of that field, and I'm talking about the senior field and also the candidates for the Hall of Fame. It's so deep that we're not even talking about Mark Clayton, you know? One of the great receivers of the 1980s, anyway. That's going to do it for a summer solstice edition of the I Test for Two. Ira, tell people where they can find you on Twitter. At iKaufman76, Clark. Ian. 
IGLEN31. And I'm at, at Clark Judge TOF. And if we don't hear from you there, guaranteed, you're going to hear from us next week at where, Ian? The I Test for Two. All letters, no numbers. There you go. Thanks for listening. <laughs>